Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. With the third pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New York Knicks select R.J. Barrett. What up, everybody? It's your boy, Prez, here with the 10th episode of this cycle's Draft Strickland. Um, We're a day off from the Women's College Championship, a day past a Knicks-Cavs barn burner with the playoffs looming. Today is perhaps the most important game in Draft Strickland for the year, which is not a Knicks game. It's the Dallas game. Um, they play, who do they play? They play, I want to say Miami. They play Miami. And this game has significant impact on whether or not the Knicks will have a first round pick of their own. Because the Dallas pick that we own this year is top 10 protected. So if you see me in these DC streets celebrating, if you see footage circulating on the internet, it means... Our Dallas Mavericks have come through for your boy by getting a victory over the shitty, overrated, fraudulent Miami Heat. Um, And then it means we'll probably get a very nice player at 11 if we don't trade out. So to help me talk about who we might get this year, I have a returning guest, Mr. Washington State himself, Bryce Hendricks. If you haven't Listened to last year's episode with Bryce. I'm not going to say go listen to it because who is a lunatic enough to go listen to last year's draft podcast. But you should know that it was early in the cycle and we talked about Washington State prospects of which last year's class had many. And Bryce unleashed some takes at the time that may have been considered a little toasty, but were proven to be very valid across the next year. You know, we talked about how Paolo showcased his passing in high school, something that didn't really pop until towards the end of his Duke season. And now we see that, you know, every day with the magic, we talked about Kari Eason, who became my favorite prospect. Some may say, I'm not going to say who, but some may say he's the best player on the Houston Rockets right now, which is probably more a statement about the Rockets than it is about Tari Eason. So anyway, my point is this man dropped some gems on the draft community. Um, If you don't follow him at Bryce Hendrick, that's H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K 14, um, you should follow him. He writes about draft stuff he writes about uh about the washington washington state am i getting that yeah. right yeah, washington, washington state, state Cougs. yeah um he has stuff on patreon he co-hosts 
draft podcast called Upside Swings, which is dope if you haven't checked it out. Um, he's a fellow real Hooper connoisseur. Bryce, how are you doing today? I'm great. That was that was a hell of an intro, man. I, uh, <laughs> uh, that warms my heart. Um, no, but you know, last year's draft was was very fun for me as a PNW guy, and not only because it was it was three. PNW prospects, but for, for people to... not in the know, PNW Pacific Northwest. Yes, Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, it was three guys. I didn't have to lie through my teeth about any of them. There was no guy who I'm like, I know this guy is trash, but he's from up here, so I gotta like, I gotta you know tell people he's great. Nah, it was like three guys I was really high on, uh, and yeah, I think we recorded that fairly early in the cycle. I think before oh, yeah. Tari and Marjon were really considered like definite mm-hmm. first round picks and then they ended up going 17 and 21 and you know i think both of them had pretty solid rookie years for what you'd expect it's hard to take anything away from the houston rockets this year they've just been a disaster <laughs> but uh coop agrees with me that tari's their best player and marjon's been fine in limited minutes uh so you know i'll, I'll take what i can get there um but yeah i'm, I'm excited to be back this is awesome marjon you know on any other team he'd be getting like probably real minutes but it's the bucks and they're arguably the best team so minutes are tough to come by but you know when they've had injuries especially to middleton earlier in the year he stepped up enough that like knicks fans would constantly tweet me and be like can we like and, and knicks fans love obi Toppin, so like understand this like knicks fans would be like if we're not gonna play obi can we just trade him for Marjan? And I'm like, I wouldn't be mad at that, but I don't think the Bucks are going to do that because they like Marjan actually. So even though he doesn't play that much, you know, they he's somebody who could help them right now and in the future. So it was a great pick by the Bucks, like you said, solid rookie year. Um, he's shooting that thing well, um, which me and Bryce told you he was going to do. So uh, nailed it. Um, but yeah, I, this year, not. Are, who who are there Pacific Northwest guys in the in the first round like projected or not really? Not really. Not definitely not high school guys. I think the closest mm-hmm. you'll get is Muhammad Gay, who played mm-hmm. at WSU. He's not from here, but just has a tie here. Obviously playing in yeah. Poland, but even he's probably more like you know like thirty to forty five than first round. Uh, this was a fairly weak Pacific Northwest class, and next year's is. Potentially week two, I really like Jalen Stewart. But other than him, there's not really like a standout guy. But then after that, it gets interesting again with guys like Zoom Jallo and and some other guys coming up. So they'll they're they're resetting their their clock and they'll yeah, be back. It, they'll be back in no time. There's always cycles up here. You know, we don't have the consistent every year talent like LA. But you know, every every two three years, we're producing guys who are good enough to be the number one pick. So I'll take it. There you go. All right, speaking of number one picks, um, something me and my last uh, podcast, Chris Persianen of uh, listeners will know him from Nick's Film School. Um, we talked about it, and I decided I just want to do this every pod because it was really fun when we did it. Um, that is just comparing some of the guys, the top five guys, the top five picks last year. So um, Paulo Banquero on the Magic, Chet who hasn't played, obviously, on the Thunder. Jabari, um, I keep, I've done this the whole cycle. I keep wanting to call him Jabari Parker, and I don't know why. <laughs> well, I, think, I, think, I can think of one reason why. But <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I love Jabari as a prospect, man. I don't, I don't know what the fuck happened that, to, that, to that dude. 
Um, but yeah, Jabari and then uh, Keegan on the Kings, uh, our Kings, my second favorite team this year, and uh, Jaden Ivey on the Pistons, who Knicks fans thought they had a real chance of acquiring um, on draft day. There was a lot of smoke. They probably almost certainly made a legitimate offer, and Detroit ended up being cool on it, um, which is fine. I like him on Detroit, and I like where the Knicks are at. Um, so, whatever. But, th- you know, those guys are all having pretty much... Even Jabari, who, like, he's in the worst possible situation, and he got off to the worst possible start. You know, he's been putting it together a little bit, which is a very relative statement. Um, they've begun using him at the five a little bit and just, just generally messing around. They've been playing him with other good defenders, which is a shocking idea that it took them like 60 games to figure out um, playing him with Tari and uh, Kenyon jr. Which has been the best of their bad lineups um, unsurprisingly. And uh, yeah, so I, I would say they're you know, they're all doing all right. Or in the case of, you know, Paolo more than all right. He's, he already has answered my my biggest question for Paolo coming in was how long would it take him to be like, oh, I'm gigantic and I can just like run into people and draw fouls? Cause he's so talented and gifted that he can get to like guard moves and guard shots whenever he wants, mid-ranges and stuff like that, finesse shots. And you know, I didn't really have questions about his shooting or his passing i kind of bought that stuff but the foul stuff i was like man he was that duke he should have been drawing like 10 free throws a game about this motherfucker but um he didn't and then i don't know what clicked for him or with the magic or with coach jock vaughn or whatever but he pretty much from day one was just like among the league leaders and drawing free throws and you know, when a prospect, when an already great prospect answers your number one question that quickly, that's probably a great sign for their career. So um, what I wanted to ask you to start off was like, what what were you watching for Paolo coming into the year? Definitely that. I, I wanted to see how he was used positionally. And I thought the Magic were a fascinating place to see that, you know, with... Um, their other talent. Uh, and he's kind of been, he hasn't really played much at the five, which I still think like there's some upside there for him to, to be a, a five in some lineups, but you know, he's played some at like the three. Uh, I, I, I think like, I'm, I'm just, that team is really fun. They're going to be fun to watch going forward. I do really wonder what they put around him. Uh, you know, like what they're really looking to attack in, in this year's draft and, and moving forward, but he really has answered everything. And and his rookie season, and, and I don't mean this as like a shot at Kate, right? Kate is, has dealt with injuries and stuff, but his rookie season is looking a lot more like what I expected Kate Cunningham's rookie season to look mm. like, where it's just like, is he necessarily contributing to a ton of winning? Not really, but it's so obvious, like how good he can be just because guys this big don't dribble like him. Don't make passing reads like this. Don't hit shots that he does. Like it's just a special skill set. And you know, I had him number one on my board. I actually had him in the same tier as Chet in twenty twenty two. I had both those guys one and yeah, two same. Um, in the same tier. And 
I still stand by that. We haven't seen Chet play, obviously, but it, it's definitely like Paolo is the much higher offensive ceiling guy of those sure. two, and it's it's absurdly easy to buy that going forward. Like, it, if anything, like it's almost there's a chance I was too low because I had him, you know, in, in my below generational tier, and obviously generational is a subjective term that probably gets thrown around too much. I should probably change the name, but like, you know, that's like I think of that as like you know, the guys you're really comfortable betting on being the best player on the championship team for a long time. Could Paolo get to that level? I, I think it's possible at this point. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I really like the way you phrase that. Um, on my unnecessarily complex big board that has lots of colors and columns and things, um, I have kind of like what you alluded to. Like I have a, in order in order to help compare prospects between years, I have descriptions of who I've included in a tier in previous years, just so that if you're looking at my board, you can see like, Oh, like Wemby's in this tier. That's the tier that like Luca and Zion and Anthony Davis were in. And then I had um, the tier below generational. I just titled the projected instant franchise player tier, which I had Cade in that. I had LaMelo in that. I had Markel Fultz in that. I had Chet, in that and then the tier below that is possible franchise player probably really great and i had paulo there and i like him answering that first question about the con the physicality and the free throws like he's clearly above that he's obvious he's just like a very very obvious instant franchise player instant mismatch problem for like 20 years whatever with the possibility to be even better than that. Like I, I thought his defense was like fine on the magic, which is great. Like as far as a starting point for a, a rookie kid, like it like when the magic always, first of all, like I probably have a skewed sample because the magic for some reason for two years, I've just given the Knicks fucking fits. And, but like watching him match up with, you know, Julius and stuff like that. He's like, he hangs in there at the point of attack and, um, I'm like, okay, that's pretty good because most teenagers would just like get thrown into the front row <laughs> by Julius Randle. Of course, he's still working on like all the other defense stuff, like most rookies, right? Like the off-ball stuff. But um, he's probably a little ahead of, of where I expected on that end, which is, you know, a testament to what the Magic got going on. Um, so he's, uh, I I'm with you, man. He he's been a, a a beast this year, and kind of along those lines. So like. What I wanted to ask you as a follow-up was, where do you have those first five? If you had to – well, let me take a step back. My brain is going ahead of what I'm speaking right now. Do you have a solid top ten for this year right now? Solid, I would say no, because um, <laughs> I kind of just like rank guys as I go. Yeah. What I will say is I've so far scouted in-depth 23 guys – Okay. I have all of them completely locked in to where they're at. And for the most part, it's been the top guys, right? You tend to start with the top. And um, everyone we've talked about on Upside Swings, I have mm -hmm. completely locked in. And that does have, like, so my lottery tier, right, that's my tier four, covers yep. the rest of my lottery, has up to 12 guys. So, like, I have up to my number 12 guy there. And then I have up to 15 kind of in that mid-first. And there's definitely going to be some guys that sprinkle in, right, like, I, you know, we're, we're talking about like Jalen Shafino and Kobe Buffkin right. soon. And like, 
But I, I don't think there's anyone left on the board that I haven't watched that I'm confident saying is going to jump into that top 10. Okay. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, so as far as guys you've looked at, in no particular order, like the consensus top-ish guys seem to be obviously Wemby and Scoot, and then you have some mix. Again, no particular order. Um, Cam Whitmore, the wing from Villanova. Amen, Amen and Asar Thompson, the wings from OTE. Brandon Miller, the whatever position you want to call him from Alabama. And uh, Jazz Walker, the power forward slash wrecking ball person, human being from Houston. And then after that, it I, I, it seems to vary a little bit, but like for those guys, how would how would you think for the ones you've looked at of that group? Um, how do you think those guys stack up to like Keegan and Ivy and Paolo and Chet and Jabari? So I actually have I would probably have Paolo and Chet two and three in this class, and that'll seem crazy Pardon. to some. Um, but I, I find myself a little lower on Scoot than some. He's still great, mm-hmm. obviously. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. Still a wonderful, wonderful prospect, but. Just like slightly lower, I, I don't love the handle. Like I, I think that's kind of my biggest issue is that he sometimes struggles to dribble in tight spaces. Um, so like I, I have some worries up there about like overall half court upside, um, mm-hmm. and then especially you know he's just he's just six one or whatever. It's hard like, when you're short. Yeah, like <laughs> he's he, and he's got long arms, so he can play bigger. Like he's probably physical and big enough to play the two if mm-hmm. he had to. But like it's just. At a certain point, I mean, Paolo was a 6'10 advantage creator, and, and Chet is one of the most technically sound rim protectors of all time. Like, no one was as good as him at at just, like, all the little things of, of mm-hmm. playing and drop coverage and defense. Um, plus, yeah. given the fact that he was also a good offensive big as well. So, like, those so it's more two, about like, those guys than yes. like, Scoot, really. Yeah. Yes, those guys, I, I just think, or we're almost under, like, last year's class got talked about as bad in a lot of ways, and there was definitely some weaknesses there, but I think a lot of that was more centered around Jabari being considered number one by so many for so much of the year Word. than it actually was Chet and Paolo. Because I think Chet and Paolo are wonderful, wonderful prospects who I think both will be, you know, if obviously we're worried of now with Chet's injury stuff, but I, I think that's mostly fluky. If both can stay healthy, I think they're both like perennial all-star, mm-hmm. going to make some all-NBA teams are the types of guys I think can like swing championships for the right teams. Those guys I will always bet on. Um, so comfortably I had those two ahead, but then, you know, other than that, like, and, and I don't want to say I'm like, you know, like famous for it or whatever, but like my board does <laughs> tend to differ sometimes. Right. Like, you know, Keegan Murray. That's why I, I had, asked you. <laughs> yeah. Keegan Murray. I had like in my mid first. So like I would have, and that was maybe a little too low, but like I would have him below guys in this year's draft, like Taylor Hendricks and sure probably right next to like Jet Howard and Leonard Miller. Like those are kind of who I, who I would have Keegan's contemporaries as I prefer guys like Derek Whitehead, Cam Whitmore, Anthony Black, Bryce Sensabaugh, uh, Kassan Wallace. Those guys I all prefer comfortably to someone like a Keegan Murray, but I would have Ivy in that tier with that, with that last group of guys I just mentioned. And he would probably be at the top fit, like right now at the top of my lottery tier. So my top tier is, you know, just Wemby. Then I have a break of a whole tier where I don't have anyone, and that's where like Chet and Paolo would go. Sure. And then in the top five area, I had Amen Scoot, and I also had Adrian Griffin Jr. in that tier, mm-hmm. uh, in his draft, because I was very high on him. Yeah. And yeah, then in the too. next tier, 
I have like Jade and Ivy, and that's also like he'd probably be at the top of it because the top of that okay. tier for 2023 is Kasad Wallace and Bryce Sensabaugh, and I probably prefer Ivy to both those guys. Okay, yeah, that's that's a. I can I think I'm comfortable saying that like, one one of the things I like for getting returning guests on is just you know like like on Twitter you you learn what kind of things different people value as prospects and uh the ball handling and on ball stuff it's easy to to kind of take that for granted and i think you don't which is one reason i always pay attention to how you value dudes and like you know jabari is a perfect example of that like he has lots of skills but like that's just such a like you just need it's so hard to get a lot of value on offense without ball handling and uh even keegan right like this guy is a legit nuclear shooter and he's tall. And in theory, he can attack mismatches. He hasn't really been used that way for the Kings, but like the point is, like, even if you're a nuclear six nine shooter like him, it's there's still a little bit of a ceiling there without doing more on the ball stuff. So as far as taking swings in the draft, you know, a lot of the guys you mentioned this year, right? Kassan Wallace, who's the point guard of Kentucky. My son, Bryce Sensabaugh, who's the uh, the shooting guard. Um, oh, my God. Why am I blanking? Ohio on? State. Cool. On Ohio State. Jesus fucking Christ. It's probably because they suck so much that I've, like, blacked <laughs> them out of their memory. my memory. <laughs> this um, was such a weird I, – I think Chris Holtman's a good coach, but it was such a weird year for the Buckeyes, man. Like, they just, like, everything – everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, and it all just fell apart. I got a buddy who's in a – who I hoop with, who's an Ohio State alum. And anytime I talk to him about Bryce, I would like start the conversation really excitedly. And he would just be real sad because he'd be like, like, yeah, our coach just doesn't know what he's doing. He takes Bryce out because defense, but everybody sucks at defense. And it's like, why are you taking your best player out? Like <laughs> he was just so sad. And then Bryce obviously is leaving. So he knew that that shooting star has come and gone. Now they got to see whoever's, you know, coming in next year for their recruiting class. So yeah, it was definitely a bit weird for Bryce. Um, as far as the, the top of that group that you mentioned, I think I'm actually pretty close to where you are um, because I'm now like forward looking higher on Paolo because he answered the biggest question I had with a resounding yes. I would definitely put him, either I'm probably a little higher on scoot than you, but like, he's definitely there in the tier below Wemby, like Paolo and chat for sure. And I'm some would say unreasonably high on camp Whitmore. So he'd probably be there too. Um, and then I got, I have the twins, Amen and Asar right there with, with scoot and Whitmore. But if I had to like micro parse, I would probably put them like a hair below Scoot and Whitmore just because you got to shoot. <laughs> yes, mean, like, yeah. it's, it's, it's rough. Like I, you know, I, I was thinking about the twins and I was like, okay, what, what ball handling tallish dudes in the NBA can't really shoot threes. And there's some of them who succeed, right? Like De, DeJounte Murray is a pretty good player and, he doesn't really shoot threes, but even he's like a ridiculously good mid-range shooter, right? Or like Josh Giddy, but he's like a generational passer and also also great in the mid-range as well, like with this ridiculous floater. So 
Um, and is never ever crossing the ball over. I'll just all all left hand, all right hand dribbles, never never crossing over. He'll just do like ten in and out dribbles that don't really go anywhere, and then still just be like, "Oh yeah, I'm six foot nine. Here's a flutter." <laughs> no, I'm like, yeah, like just because like you didn't stop me, like it, you know, I'll just take this right at the rim. It doesn't matter. He's he is the most bagless future superstar of all time, but I love it. It's it's absolutely true. Like he's his crossovers are just. His his handles are just so uninspiring, uncool. Nobody, I'm there's, I'm not even in. I don't know what part of Australia he's from, but I bet you in his hometown of Australia, nobody's like, oh, here's my Josh Giddy impersonation on the pickup courts or whatever, unless they just are like, oh, you stand in the corner, I'll stand at half court, but on the other side of the court, and I'll just throw a forty foot pass to you. Like that would be. Your pickup basketball Josh Giddy impersonation. <laughs> yeah, it's um, not a. It's it's not like it's not like dudes up here trying to beat Jamal Crawford. So exactly, it's a it's a different it's a different skill set. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, all right, cool. Well, uh, th- we talked about the twins a little bit, and um, one guy I wanted to ask you about is is Jarris Walker, just because he, I I think a lot of people online are very high on him. But he, you know, not the most inspiring ball handler and still kind of working out how to best leverage his gifts and figure out what to fix in the next level on offense. Um, I actually think he, he'll he be able to shoot fine on, like, catch and shoot and even on some mid-range shots and from free throws. My concerns are more just dribble-related stuff. But he's a ridiculous defender, so he's definitely one of those does-a-lot-of-little-things guys. But he's nowhere near as big as someone like Chet, so that kind of just puts a little bit of a... I don't want to say a damper, but, like, you don't have to be a seven-footer to be, you know, all NBA defense. There's plenty of amazing defenders who are Charis's height or smaller. But just... Have you had a chance to, like, dig into him? Where are you at on him? Yeah, we um we just recently kind of did our big discussion on him and I just I I think he's just way less less athletic than I wished mm-hmm. he was. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. <laughs> I think I think he can shoot. Uh not like he's not great. Like I don't think it's like he's going to ever be like a huge worry, but like I think he can like pick and pop a little bit. He's yeah. a really good mid-range scorer. Mm-hmm. He he loves that little like like left to right tween. And then just pull up on that. Like it, he creates zero separation off the dribble ever. But it's like, oh, I'll just shoot this over you because I'm six eight, whatever. Um, I just, I just think he's just kind of really slow all over the place. He's um, mm-hmm. it reminds me a little bit of like <laughs> this is a weird comparison, but it reminds me a little bit of Robert Woodard, where it's like, Ooh, oh, this deep, guy's in- deep cut. <laughs> this guy's interesting, but like everything he does is just like a little too slow. Um, I think like. You know, he never gets by anyone. His self-generated rim touches this year, or paint touches, like, against, like, solid comp, because obviously there's some really crappy AAC teams that he that he did that against. But, like, whenever he was playing against good teams, like, he just didn't get to the rim against even, like, kind of competent defenders. Mm-hmm. Um, defensively, like, I think he gets talked about as, like, this uber-versatile guy, and I just don't see it. I think he's just, like, an undersized drop five um, because he's – Getting constantly getting cooked on the perimeter 
Um, I mean, Taylor Hendricks, who is not a good ball handler or driver particularly, dusted him like four times. He was frying him. Yeah, yeah, like (laughs) – and like like, it's just like, again, like like, I like Taylor Hendricks a lot, but not for that, not because I think he's ever going to like dribble and get downhill. Like he's just – Walker's just really slow. He just could not stay in front of him. He can't like switch out onto guards. Um, he's he's not blowing by guys. He's kind of slow in transition. So we are just kind of like, well, what what does he you know what does he do? Because he gets talked about as this guy who's like, you know, a six eight super strong advantage creator, and that's just not who he is. I think that's just like a complete misinterpretation of what he does. What he can do is really pass. Mm-hmm. So I think what you're trying to figure out is how can you leverage leverage that at a high level. You know, I'm starting to think about I think he'd be I, I think of him more as a five. I think that's his best role going forward, even though he's only six eight, because I think he's too slow to be a four. And I don't think the shooting is quite good enough that you're like getting something out of him as a four versus as a five, he's an above average shooter at the five. And I think he can really pass out of the short roll. I think he's a very, very good post passer, though his post ups suck because he's He's also really bad at using his strength. He never yeah. gets anywhere. He, yeah. He plays like, why like, are you 240 yeah. pounds and jacked, bro? Yeah, like, oh, like for to, what? <laughs> to look good in, in IG picks, I guess. I don't know. But, like, he's, like, never pushing anyone back. Like, he has good touch. Like, he can just get, to, like, a little right hook, and it's fine. But, you know, I, I really do worry about, like, how that's going to look if he is, you know, trying to post up NBA players, like, instead of AAC centers who, you know, with, with 6'10 wingspans. Like, it's, it's a whole different world. Um, I, I just think, I, I think he's like a solid, fine prospect. I have him like in my late first. Um, Mm. I just, (laughs) I don't see like advantage creator. I don't see, um, elite, elite defender. I think he could be a good drop big, but he's never going to be like a high level rim protector. And I think his help instincts are good, not great. So you're just kind of asking like, what value can I get off having a plus size passer, who isn't a ball handler. There's some good stuff there. You, you absolutely can. Um, you know, it's a, it's kind of like uh, what, what Xavier Tillman was like coming out of uh, coming out of Michigan State where it's like, well, you can't really dribble. Xavier Tillman could dribble more than Walker, but they're not like great ball handlers at the NBA level. Right. How, how do you leverage their passing? And there's ways to do it, but I just it, – it like I think a lot has to click for him to be a really above average NBA player, and I think – you're taking a lot of bets if, you, if you're really hoping he sticks. One of the things um, I'm most interested in with him is like, usually when we talk about guys who have physical and athletic gains that are low hanging fruit available to them coming into the league, it's not guys who look like him, right? It's 18 year olds who are skinny or Jordan Hawkins, who's 20, but still looks like he's 13 years old or whatever. It's, it's, Guys, it's AJ Griffin coming back from injury and just getting some of that stability back. And, um, you know, particularly for AJ, we saw um, as a rookie that just getting back into great shape, it really manifested more on defense for him than on offense. He randomly became like a huge steals guy in the NBA. And I know, you know, the Hawks are probably not the most technically sound conservative defense there is. Um, Trey, him, and Murray all gamble quite a lot, but that was surprising and a good sign. And um, I, I think Jarris, the athleticism concerns, that's definitely my biggest question for him as well. I'm probably a little higher on his defense, but like big picture, 
I just think he's not he's not the functional athlete that would be so cool given all the other stuff he's good at. And you see it on his drives. Like, I'm happy you pointed that out. Um, I did a super fucking nerdy video about, um, I don't know what the hell to call it. So I just call it Gallup dribble drives. It's like this, instead of driving just with like predictable dribble step, dribble step, it's, it's when guys kind of do a quick one, two step or a hop and it lets them slow down or speed up or change directions. And Zion's like the best at it. Um, but a lot of NBA players do it. And Chris Murray in this year's class is really, really good at it. And I was looking at different players, like power players, because it's usually a tool of power players in the NBA. So I'm like, oh, Jarris, he's 245 pounds. Like, does does he do this? And my guess was, no, he doesn't, because in the few games I had watched before that, he kind of stunk at driving. And then sure enough, looking at it, it's like every drive was super predictable and the same kind of cadence and he just makes himself small and doesn't get off the ground much. So I just wonder if between, you know, maybe even losing some weight or getting some, he might got some Patrick Williams, your legs are too tree trunky situation going on. And then just pro footwork and stuff like that. I, I would hope he would learn to leverage his size more because even if he, you know, he's never going to be some ball handling dude, but like, Yo, you're 240 pounds. You should be able to bully a stray small, a stray two or three here and there, even in the NBA. Like right now, like if he, if you fast forwarded into the future, I'm like, yeah, put Quentin Grimes on him. I don't care. Like whatever. They wouldn't do that because he's not a threat and they put Quentin Grimes on threats, but like put RJ Barrett on him, whatever. And he probably should be able to push RJ, but he absolutely would not in his current state. So there's a lot more risk there than, than people are saying, which is why I wanted to talk about it. And then conversely, I want to move on to another guy you mentioned who is probably, if you had to just poll Nick's Twitter on who they were most thirsty for, if they kept the 11th pick, it's Taylor Hendricks, the uh, six foot nine, give or take, uh, power forward, wing shooter person out of UCF. And Knicks fans are super interested in this young gentleman because presumably Obi Toppin is just on his way out. That divorce is probably going to happen sooner rather than later, just because with Randall playing how he is, there's just not much, even if you want to, there's just not much you can do in terms of your Obi Toppin usage. Um, and they need shooting. So Obi being a decent shooter, they, they're they like, yo, just take 12 threes per 100, which is really not how you want to use Obi Toppin. He gets like no roll reps. Um, and then, you know, he's Obi's already better on defense than he was in college, but that's not really saying much. The bar is super low. And Tay Hendricks, on the other hand, is like a 19-year-old fucking rim-protecting, help-side help rim-protector monster, at least at the college level. And that's that archetype like somebody who can come in from the weak side and block shots like rj doesn't do that julius doesn't do that obi doesn't do that um you know who, who's a little switchy but still big we don't really have anybody like that on the knicks so he's just an idea that a lot of knicks fans can get behind and he seems to be in these mock drafts around like anywhere from 9 10 11 12 um, some people have them higher, some people have them lower. Um, so 
where are you at on, on him in terms of like what you like or what you think he'll have to struggle with or work on as a young NBA player? Cause he, he could be in the garden, probably stapled to the bench, but still in the garden. <laughs> I, I like Taylor Hendricks a lot. I, I'll admit like, 100%, and, and, and all the Knicks fans should, should expect this. <laughs> I don't think there is really much offensive upside at all. Like, yeah. I, I, he, he's a really poor passer. Everyone on that UCF team was a poor passer, which really hurt him because I think there is, like, upside for him to be used as a role man. Um, mm-hmm. He's a very good two-foot leaper, but no one can throw long passes. Arms too. I don't know he what has, his wingspan is, but... They seem gigantic, right? Like, it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me to get, like, you know, like some Bruno Caboclo measurements out here. Um, but, like, he's got long arms, good leaper. I think he can, like, really shoot. You know, he's mm-hmm. 6'9", and <laughs> the the form is so funky. I posted a video on Twitter the other day where it's just, like, you you could never teach – you would never teach someone this form. Right? But, like, because <laughs> he's always, like, planting with a different foot, and there's it, – it's, like, with zero consistency about where the ball is coming from in that way, like, he's just, like – Oh, I accidentally caught it with my right foot on the ground. Well, I guess I'll just cheat that with my <laughs> left foot then and shoot it that way instead of like, you know, the, there's not really any shot prep, but it doesn't matter because the touch is insane. And he is hitting like some very tough shots at times. I, you know, not a ton off the dribble, though, occasionally more than you'd kind of expect, probably. But I think he can really shoot out the catch like, like, I would say elite, like elite for a six nine guy type. Shooter. Oh yeah, I, I can really see that. I, I can even see a world where he's hitting some like off some light movement, like running eight, you know, running DHOs where the the read is just for him to get the shot or whatever stuff like that. Like like how Keegan's he can, doing it in the king. Basically, like, yeah. yeah. Like he he doesn't have the same like feel for spacing that Keegan mm-hmm. does, but he's also like four years younger than Keegan, five years right. younger than Keegan, whatever. So I think he can absolutely do that if if if. That's all you're asking for him. That's that's great. But as soon as you're trying to like, if you're trying to project him out to be a offensive quote unquote right. lottery pick, it's just not going to work out because I, I think there's very little shot creation equity there. Um, he's just like even like like I'm sure someone someone real dumb is going to compare like Jaron Jackson, right? Like Jaron Jackson was a better ball handler and passer at Michigan State his freshman year. He was a great like, ball handler on the low. Yeah, like well, and he could post up a little bit. Like Taylor mm-hmm. Hendricks can't really post up. If Taylor Hendricks posts up, it's like I'm he's going to take a turnaround midi, which is fine. Like it, that's not even a bad shot for him necessarily, but it's not something you're drawing a play to. You know, right? It's probably a bad game. shot for your NBA team. Yes, yes, <laughs> it works for him, but it's not a. It's not. It, that's like a flaming bag shot, which is fine. But you know, it's it's nice that he has that, but it's not something you're ever going to want to go to. Where the real intrigue is is with his defense. This is again where I think it's like it's just all instincts, and he's so his ability to high point the ball or like like the amount he's blocked more dunks than anyone I've I've counted I think, and they're all like perfectly timed. I I watch the replays. I'm like that's a foul ninety nine percent of the time, but he is the one guy who gets his hand on the ball and touches nothing else. Like like he has like four blocks this year that were like the college equivalent of that Bam Adebayo dunk on Jason Tatum in the bubble. Oh yeah. Where, where like, his hand was like, yeah. <laughs> or literally like broke his wrist. Like, like he did like, like he had, I was watching the the NIT game against Florida and he had like this chase down block where, you know, Miriam Jones like cocked it all the way back and 
somehow it was incredible. He got nothing but the ball, like right at the rim. It was crazy. Like he just has an insane ability to high point these shots to um, get nothing but ball without fouling. It's it's like one of one. It's the type of thing I, you rarely see. I was gonna say like what like I know there's some centers I can think of who have that gift of like being so coordinated that they can be moving backwards and 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 get all ball and no forearm or something. I, I, Chet is the one guy who's like a power forward who can who can do that stuff. But like I'm trying to think of other NBA power forwards who are just have that specific skill and. I don't know. Not, none come to mind. They're, I'm sure they're they're there, and I'm forgetting, but there's definitely not many of them. <laughs> well, uh, I'll argue Pacific Northwest King uh, Jaden McDaniels is the closest. Oh yeah, find. Duh. yeah. That's like call. that's like the closest, and like I I'm 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 not one for like comps, but defensively, it's so easy to see Jaden McDaniels when you're watching Taylor Hendricks. Like if Jaden McDaniels didn't decide to go to fucking U Dub and play in his own. Like this is what Jaden McDaniels would have looked like defensively as a freshman, mm-hmm. and just like Taylor Hendricks, he would have been a top fifteen pick or whatever. That zone um, ruined my ruined my Jaden McDaniels ranking, and that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I I still had him. I saw him. Uh, I think I had him like five in that year's draft. So uh, take that for what you want. I didn't have a podcast back then. That was the problem. Yeah, I couldn't get that PNW insider info. Yeah, see, and I, I don't even think I was on Twitter yet at that point. So, anyways, but yeah, with Hendricks, like he also combines that with just like a really insane innate feel for like where the ball is and how to you know cover the rim. Uh, he also has like insanely quick hips. Uh, his ability to drop step, like there was this one play where um, someone like drove middle at him. He was kind of stunting and help, and he came all the way over, and then uh, the driver dumped it off to a cutter. And he, like, absurdly quickly dropped that right foot and just blocked that shot, like, you know, hard off the backboard. It was crazy, and the timing was insane. It was just, like, I think he can be a potentially game-breaking help side rim protector. There are some issues with his defense. I don't think he's, he's not, like, his awareness isn't great. The instincts are good, but the awareness isn't always great. And there are times Mm -hmm. he just gets, like, randomly back cut or he he loves to overhelp right like there are times he's definitely hunting blocks and then he leaves a corner shooter shooter wide open and that's just stuff you can't get away with in the nba he's also like his footwork is really bad on the perimeter and that leaves him exposed a lot but i think he can learn that like like the hips are quick and the the foot the, the foot speed is good it's just the footwork itself is bad so you get him with a with an NBA coach who can kind of fix some of that, and I, I think there's maybe something there. Um, I That's just think something like, I yeah. really dream about because two of the Knicks' best defenders are Quentin Grimes and Deuce McBride, and they were both very fucking good defenders in college. But it was kind of like Tay, like they were just fit, physically advanced, and had amazing instincts and just quick hands and agility. But then you watch their footwork like as rookies, and I'm like, oh, they don't really know how to like do stuff, but they're so fast and agile that they'll just make up for it by getting back into play or pushing someone out the way or whatever. So, and they've cleaned that up in, in the time since, you know, being in the NBA. So, uh, that would be, I'm sure Johnny Bryan and Tibbs would, would be all over that. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I just like, 
I think there is a world where he is a well, I, I would say I'm confident say he is at the very least going to be like a starting level mm-hmm. quote unquote three and D forward, right? I think there is a world where he is like an all defense caliber uh defender mm-hmm. who's also like a, a 40% high volume shooter. And we talked about how much we value, you know, uh ball handling and stuff and that combination is enough for me to to make it to where I don't like I, I'm I'm only gonna knock him so much for not being right. able to handle the ball. It's right. he's honestly, in my opinion, like a very similar prospect, like role projection wise, to what Jabari Smith was last year. And mm-hmm. for what that's worth, I had them I had them in the same tier. I had Jabari Smith uh last year. I had uh him at eight on my board and um you know, right about the same range in the exact same tiers where I have Taylor Hendricks, because I actually think that's a sound role for both of them where it's like a legit shooter um, who is going to bend defenses with their gravity as a shooter. Can't really dribble. Don't make good reads as passers, but that's fine because the defense is potentially good enough that it makes that person still super valuable. You know, it reminds me of like, I was very high on like a Kessler Edwards back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was someone who I thought could fill that role as well. So I do have still a soft spot for those three and D forwards. If I think that, the defense is potentially elite enough. And I think Hendricks is, is right about at that range. That's going to be music to our listeners ears. Uh, hopefully he can last because, you know, for most prospects, you want them to be able to kind of explore and make mistakes and stuff like that. But there's something to, cause the, the Knicks do the opposite with their prospects. They restrain them and they're like, here's your fucking role. Master that shit. And then they keep you in that role probably long enough to annoy fans who are like, actually, they could help us if they did more. Why don't you let Quentin Grimes attack from not the corner for once? Or why don't you let IQ, uh, you know, run the point guard instead of fucking Alec Burks, Alfred Payton, and this other fucking carousel of awful ball handling guards? Actually, I shouldn't say awful. Shout out Alec Burks. I don't want to ever slander Alec Burks on this podcast. We love Alec Burks here. Utah Jazz legend Alec Burks. Exactly fascinating career arc that I'd be happy to nerd out about on a, on a different occasion. Um, maybe I'll save that one for the off season, but um, like the role that you want him in is Obi's role right now is Obi's misassigned role. Obi's in the corner. He's uh, rising up when there's drives to get above the break threes. He's doing some handoffs, occasionally attacking a straight line closeout, but not that often. And he's defending larger players, sometimes threes, sometimes fours. And, you know, he's supposed to help in the paint, but he doesn't do a great job of... He's as... Similarly to Hendricks, he has poor awareness, but he's a lot older, so it's a lot more damning. Um, You would hope that a player Obi's age is a little bit better in terms of awareness. Like, there's no reason that someone like Obi shouldn't get more blocks, right, given his height and athleticism on the weak side. Um, not as a primary defender, because he's still really bad backpedaling, but like you ask Tay Hendricks to do that stuff off the bench, especially he'll probably be fine. He'll probably kill it in that role. And then you can kind of bring him along. If the ball handling goes from awful to mediocre, that would be amazing. If not cool, just deploy him on defense to wreak havoc. So, um, you know, he's definitely uh, a player, the player, I would say a lot of Knicks fans have keyed in on. Um, another guy Knicks fans have keyed in on who you mentioned at the top 
um, who I'm actually curious what you think about his on-ball skills because he hasn't really deployed it that much. Um, but in high school, he would he would get he would get busy sometimes. Is Derek Whitehead right? And like Knicks fans are really interested in him, obviously, because he, like AJ Griffin last year, was highly touted coming in, and there's a lot of shit that happened with injuries and. You know, obviously AJ had a much better season than Derek did, but Derek ended at least decently as far as three and D stuff goes. And he's from Jersey, so geographically, Knicks fans they're they're all about it. Um, he's he's been in the consciousness of the tri-state area for years at this point. Um, where are you at on him? Like, because people are all over the place. You know, how worried are you about the injuries? It, it, he played a three and D role role at duke is that what we should be projecting him as like i don't even care about the the loss of the i shouldn't say i shouldn't care about the loss of hops i've kind of just accepted that but there's still a lot of other stuff there i feel like so i go back and forth all the time he moves around on my board more than everyone else where are you at on him yeah so i really like Dariq, and i think that people have really overthought this um duke context um and they did the same thing with aj griffin last year who i was I was super also, high on AJ. <laughs> you know, I was a very, I was a very, very big fan of AJ Griffin. I'm not quite as big a fan uh, of um, Derek, but I think there's similar like, like strengths and weaknesses in their prospect profile, right? Like, and a big one for both of them is that Duke just does not like run sets that are conducive for players like this. Yeah, um, off-ball shooters and straight-line drivers who you know, are at their best, like, in a more NBA, you know, NBAF scheme, like, Duke was running, like, 90% horns actions and and uh, lots of, like, these shallow cuts and flex actions and stuff that's just, like, Derek is just not built for, and that's, you know, obviously it worked fine for Duke this year for whatever that's worth, but I, I think for Derek specifically, like, get him in an NBA scheme and things are going to really open up. Um, this class is, is absolutely chock full of like elite shooters. So I almost mm-hmm. feel bad saying like, oh, he's one of the best shooters. Because in another class, he'd be amazing. Yeah, well, in another <laughs> class, he'd be the best. And like, you know, like now I, I would say like Adrian Griffin Jr. is probably a better shooting prospect. Like I was all in on him. But like, yeah, like this year, like, you know, Grady Dick, Derek, you know, we just talked about Taylor Hendricks, Jet, Brandon Miller, plus Bryce. like a ton of other guys. Bryce Sensabaugh, yeah, like, um, like, not even to like discount guys like Podziemski and and sure. uh, uh, Shireman, <laughs> yeah, like Hawk, Hawk, yeah, Hawkins is a great one. Like so, and not to get too off on tangent, like I think Whitehead can really, really shoot. Right, and he's a well built six five six six who can just really stroke that thing. There's some value there. High release, Knicks yeah, fans. I know they release, see that, like, and they see a little bit of they see a little bit of Q Grimes there with that high release. Yes, uh, that's a <laughs> that's a very good like like. Uh, solid kind of form comparison in some ways. Um, I think like what really stands out to me with Derek is that I think the defense is, is under talked about coming out yep. of high school. I think he was a borderline elite defensive prospect. Now, obviously a lot of that was his balance, right? It was that he could act as a second side rim protector. He had good burst heat in the passing lanes. All of a sudden, you know, if you're really worried about that bounce, never coming back, there's a there's an issue there, but I, I I think it'll be back. I don't know. I trust the NBA staff to get him closer to back. Like it, I I didn't seem like the injury he had was like 
catastrophic forever. It's just that he was trying to play through a lot of it, mm-hmm. right? Like he just looked like he was still in pain sometimes. I, I think he can get back to at least a semblance of what he was in high school. Um, and if that's the case, like you're talking about an elite cutter, you're talking about a, a, a guy who can make a ton of plays on the defensive end while also being, you know, strong and sturdy enough to guard threes and fours as they're trying to drive by him. Um, he's a little slow laterally, even in high school. Like, he's not going to be a an elite switch guy, but in, in most conventional defenses, like, he's going to be very, very solid, if not great, on defense. You mentioned the handle and, like, you know, how he used to get busy in high school. I agree with you. The handle's never been good, even in high mm-hmm. school. Like, he just it, – it's just that he the release is so high that he could just take, like, three, four wonderful <laughs> pull-ups, like, all the time. Yeah. Like, that's – if you go – if you watch, like, his high school highlights, like, that's everything. Like, everything he was doing is, like – it's, like, like step back, like, the little Tough bronze jumpers. step back. Like, yeah, or <laughs> – but, like, he, he was legitimately great at that. I think there's still some of that in his game. I think it's a lot more just, like – I think he can be a nuclear off-ball scorer who can who can cut, who who has just that sense for it. Like he's just, and he's been in that role. He was at Montverde when Cade was yeah. there. Like he knows how to score off the ball. He already knows how to do that shit. Like just if he just continues to do that, is a solid defender who can occasionally kind of create his own shot. He's also a, I would say, a good passer despite not being able to dribble. I think he makes solid reads. He's just can't really get anywhere. So. He can't bend a defense to make passes, but like his connected passing is really good. I think he's great at just like if someone is blitzing him off the line, like he was pretty good at getting out of hard hedges quick with slips or you know mm-hmm. a corner skip here and there. Like I, I don't know, I think there's just something there. Um, I, I just really really like Dariq, and I, I I think it's important to weight a prospect's whole sample, and I think that's a big issue with a lot of draft people is that they just don't care enough about the high school stuff that stuff matters like players that did stuff in high school you know like it's different from like a Kalel Ware, you know obviously but players who did stuff in high school especially at really good high schools like Mount Verde and, and who played in high level AAU programs like keep that in mind like that's part of a projection that's part of a sample especially for guys who got hurt or who weren't playing in great college systems it matters and, and I think Dariq is still like a lottery guy based a lot on just how excellent he was in in high school. I think I'm pretty much where you're at. Like, I had him drop pretty low because I'm a coward when it comes to injury things. So I'm like, let the pros figure that out. For purposes of my board, I'm going to drop him. And the other element of it was, I think it was honestly just a little bit of boredom on my part. Like, his archetype is just kind of, it's just kind of boring when you compare it to like how he was talked about coming in as some like prototype, which if you watch them, it's like, you're right. Like Montverde, his offense was like, it was as a shooter who happened to be able to dunk. It was like, Oh yeah. A high school player coming off screens and then taking step backs, like unheard of, but it wasn't like cross tween split the double team, you know, or it wasn't like Cade Cunningham, like, Oh, super floor general running the, it wasn't any of that. So um, what I think, is intriguing about it is we're really coming into an age where you can't really cook as just a boring three and D guy. You have to be three and D, but with a little something, something else. And that doesn't necessarily have to be driving. It could be that connective passing, like you said, or like another thing Derek is really good at 
is like one, two dribble mid range shots. Like there was a couple of times where they played zone defenses and he could be the zone breaker, right? Like there's times I wish the Knicks had a zone breaker. Like we don't really have anybody who you could just throw the, who can just dribble, dribble into that, the middle, into that free throw line area and really who can cook. I mean, now, now late in the season, they finally figured out that IQ can do that a little bit, but he's kind of short and, um, Julius can sort of do that, but you'd rather want him bullying. So we don't really have somebody who can do that. Um, that's another thing I like about Hendricks is he he was look at that guy at UCF just zone busting. But um, for Derek, just he definitely seems to be that three and D plus. And it sounds like a hater description, but it's really not. <laughs> and then you're right about the the hops like. I did, I looked at some video and I posted a video of basically him dunking this year, last year, and the year before. And his last year at Montverde, like, he had some nice dunks. Nobody would say he was some kind of generationally explosive dunker or anything like that. But the year before that, you would say, yeah, like, this guy will get some Slam Magazine cover type dunks. But it's okay if he doesn't have that because he got stronger and as a senior, it's not like he was ground bound. So that was my big worry. No, definitely like, not. Like he was still like even yeah. that senior year. Yeah, he I, got some posters. Like, <laughs> it transitioned to like I think that's something. Yeah. That, like I, I'm sure some people like heard me talk about Derek and, and Taylor and think like oh similar offensive uh, like projection. I think one of the bigger differences is that like Derek was an absurd, has an absurd feel for like trans running and transition and like getting out in transition and, and where to fill and where to cut. Like he had some really impressive moments where because his gravity was as, you know, such, such, it was so high as a shooter, like went like kind of stop at the three point line and then hard cut and catch a lob at the rim. Like he was a really absurd athlete and um, his, like his ability to read the floor as an off ball player and then expose, you know, explode to the rim and, or hit shots if he was open, like it was all it was all great stuff, and I think that really projects into the NBA, getting into more NBA schemes as well. Yeah, agree a hundred percent. And you just hope, like, the more of that explosiveness he can reclaim to get to like a B minus B level, like that's really all he needs because the shot is just that good. Like, if you have if you're an elite shooter and you have that kind of explosiveness that's like half the battle on offense right there. Like, even if you're not blowing by guys, like there were times I would watch Derek and he just couldn't blow. He couldn't get by like random college bums. And it would make me very sad, but then he would turn around and go like four for four from three every game for like a week. And I'd be like, Oh, well, who gives a shit? <laughs> like whatever. Like if he could, if he could blow by guys and hit the threes and play defense, he'd be like a top five pick. We'd be having a different conversation entirely. Um, so he's, he's definitely a guy who I would be cool if the Knicks took, I think some Knicks fans who didn't follow him as closely may have to do some expectation setting, especially cause he's just super fucking young, which already probably rules him out from the Knicks. They have yet to take an 18 year old since RJ Barrett under this new front office. Um, they've yet <laughs> to take crazy. a 19, they've yet to take a 19. I think, I don't think they took it. Everybody they've I just let me look it up because I'm writing an, an article on this. Um 
I'm pretty sure everyone they've taken, except for Trevor Keels, who doesn't count because he was just like a second round whatever pick, has been, I think, 20 on opening day. Let's see. Obi, well, 22. Obi was 29. Obi, sure. Obi was 29. Quickly was 21. Grimes was 21. Rokas hasn't come over. He was 20. Um, Deuce was 20. Sims was like 29. They, there was, And I also, for this article, looked at um, people who I'm pretty sure they were trying to trade up for. And the one exception to this rule is Maxi, who they, who we know now that they tried to trade up for. They couldn't get up high enough, so they had to, air quotes, settle for Emmanuel quickly, which has worked out for them. But for the most part, that's just... That's just not how the Knicks do it. So if they, you know, if they took him, it would be definitely a change in approach. And you could argue it both ways, I feel like, because on the one hand, they still need some bench shooting, like in the short term. But on the other hand, because their rotation is so deep, you could say, yeah, let's take a kid, let him marinate for a little bit and take your time with it. And you don't need to, you know, draft a 22-year-old when you have, eight starter level players or whatever in your rotation. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, We're coming up on the hour mark here. Are there any other guys who just, you know, the Knicks are in a position where they can take a home run swing if they want. They could try to fill that big, big wing bench roll that nope, they don't really have right now. They could approach this in lots of different ways. Um, does anybody else kind of jump out just gut reaction as someone if they pick around 11 or 12 who they should consider or more than one guy, whatever, just, well, I mean, I'll say this, I'll say this for, for everyone. Uh, but I guess for the Knicks, it makes a ton of sense just because of the Kentucky connection, but like everyone should want to take this on Wallace. Like once even if we past, have a bunch of guards, even if you have a bunch of guards, he can play as a three. I don't give a shit. Like he's so good. <laughs> like to me, he is just like, he is one of the players in this class I am the most comfortable betting on to be like a positive contributor to winning basketball for 10 years. Like he's just, he can hit shots. He it's a great is shooter. an excellent passer, like a truly underrated, excellent passer, especially in pick and roll. Like he's not getting all the way to the rim, but like he can just like consistently make advantaged reads in a way that few can. He's one of the best defensive players I've ever seen in my whole life. Like just does everything on that end. Woo. Even the screen nav, like, that I had some questions about, like, I think really improved over the course of the year. Uh, the nail defense is insane, like, like truly. I mean, it's like, like you know, Jason Tatum and B.A. good, you know, like, but he's he's obviously smaller, but I still think, like, the nail defense the is great. basically the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Like, he, that's what I mean. Like, he can play the three. Like, he's he's big. He's strong. I So I'll say that with anyone. Kassan Wallace should absolutely be on very high on people's boards. And then this is just a this is just a uh, this is a Presbate pick right here. But oh I'm going to go Bryce Sensabaugh. Yeah. Um, now we're I, talking. <laughs> just getting someone on this team who could just like yes, just really get buckets. Like I don't know. I I like quickly is great. I love quickly. I I I you know more Bear Randall whatever. Give like, me more. Just, <laughs> just get someone who can like who can consistently just generate good shots. And I think like he's even. Like, I think he's underrated, but I think even, like, how he's discussed is just sometimes wrong. Like, like he's a better rim pressure guy than people realize, I think. Yep. Like, he, is, he has a good first step, and no one wants to get in his way. 
because he he's not even in shape ball. yet. Yeah, like he's I don't know. I think he's going to be really really good, and he also has an argument for best shooter in this class. So like mm-hmm. you know, it's there's nothing to not like with sense of boss. So those are the two guys that stand out to me, and then obviously if guys fall, you know, an amp black would be great. Cam Whitmore would be awesome here. Oh my god, I love Jesus Cam Whitmore. Christ. If we got Cam, I think like our collective like consciousness on the internet would just explode. <laughs> we just don't uh, get re- elite athletes who are also young. Like that's just such a pipe because what I mentioned before, we just never draft yeah. young players. And it's like, Oh, we need a big wing who could shoot and fucking dunk. Like that'll never happen. We don't get those guys. <laughs> yeah, no, he's uh well, he's just like, he's really good, man. Like he's another guy who Villanova sucked this year and it yep. was absolutely not his fault. <laughs> <laughs> like everything around him was awful and he still looked good. Like he's going to be really good. He can really, he can really, I think he can shoot. I think he can yep. really, you know, cut and finish. And um, I think he can create for himself sometimes. And in high school, he didn't get to show to Temple Nova, but high school, he flashed a lot as like a really, really good passer. So I, you know, it's, it's too bad that he committed to Jay Wright and then Jay Wright left and he was kind of left with uh this walking corpse of a team, but like, he's still really good. And he's a guy who, if he's at 11, like that could really be a steal for the right team Are the Knicks that right team. I, I, I don't know, but I, <laughs> I think it would be a, he, he's a, just a wonderful player who uh, a lot, a lot of teams should be higher on. He would probably make Tibbs head explode once a game, but that's okay for long-term purposes. You know, it could be mutually beneficial. <laughs> I can see it. Um, the Kassam thing is is something I've struggled with because you're right. Watching him, I'm like, you'll see like whenever this article comes out later this summer, like he ends up ranking highly according to what I think the Knicks like, even though he's a freshman, which is just shows you how well he does all the other things that Knicks prospects tend to do. And you look at quickly and you look at Deuce and it's like, yeah. This motherfucker is like the next avatar in the cycle, except arguably better because he's he's doing all this at a younger age. Quickly, his NBA development is just like in its own category of outlier. He was just like, I'll simply get better at everything at a ridiculous rate. But like, just like, can you have like at some point you can't really pass on that if you buy the talent like the Knicks often buy those kind of two-way talents. So I could totally see that. Um, The last two guys I want to quickly ask you about that are names that are kind of bandied about because so many Knicks fans are focused on getting somebody taller than six, five, someone six, six or taller, just because, you know, we have Grimes who's amazing and quickly who's amazing and Brunson who's amazing and, those three are going to get a lot of minutes um, is two of the tall. Well, let's say three guys, jet uh, jet Howard, the shooting guard slash small forward from uh, Michigan, Grady Dick, who you mentioned the shooting guard, small forward from Kansas and Max Lewis, who is the whatever position wing guy from uh, Pepperdine. Um, those are three guys who in terms of how tall and long they are, are like, yes, they check that box, but, Everything else, I feel like there's good pro arguments and also good con arguments for taking them. And I think a lot of Knicks fans often in this cycle in particular are very caught up too much on height just because 
of the way the Knicks roster looks right now in 2023, which is always kind of a dicey approach when you draft somebody who you hope to be here for like five years or longer. <laughs> yeah. So I, I definitely would not be in on taking like Max Lewis this high. I just don't think he's really all that good. Like I, I think he's like a fine, like I have him in my second round. He's a mm-hmm. fine prospect, but I, I don't think the handles great. I don't think the athleticism is great. And the shot is just really slow. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's like, it's like if, if, if someone like, threw like a time bomb on Brandon Miller and made him go in slow motion <laughs> when he shot. Like that's what his jumper looks like to me. That's um, why he's really good off the catch, but not good off the dribble. <laughs> and and also like like can't shoot off movement at all, right? So right, I I, w- right. I, mean, I think Grady Dick is really good. Like I, like I I think he needs to go to a team that is going to try and maximize him offensively. But he is legitimately great at like like he's a he's a legit movement shooter. Who just will not miss a, a wide open shot. Like he can take one, two, three dribble pull ups comfortably. Um, he is a, you know, a, a, he just can't dribble. <laughs> like that's his thing. Like he can't dribble at all. But I, and I think the defense is good too. Like I think it's not great. And he can definitely get abused on the perimeter sometimes. But the help instincts are good. He makes good rotations. The closeouts are better than almost anyone his age. For whatever he's that's pretty worth. tall. Like he has a margin there, just because he's he might like, be long. he might be six nine. Like he's tall and long yeah. and lanky, and he can really cut too. Not a bad athlete. Like I like Grady Dick. I, I have him in my lottery comfortably. Uh, there's definitely a lot to like there. Jet is is a bit more. I really like Jet on the court. I've heard some you know questions off the court, like so. I don't know exactly how that's going to shake out for him especially for the Knicks, but I think he can really shoot off movement. I think he's a better self-creator than some of these other guys we've talked about. Like His not, handle's legit. He can create a lot of space. He, he He's just not super athletic. I feel like I've talked about right. that with a lot of guys. Right. He right. does not explode out of moves at all. Like he is, very, he is very much like space creation rather than downhill driving. Right. But I think his self-organization is potentially really special. Like his ability mm-hmm. to maneuver tight spaces and get up into like floaters and stuff off of like weird angles and he like in his the jumpers the Knicks the best, love like, themselves some floaters man everybody on the Knicks takes floaters <laughs> well Manuel quickly had an all-time floater in college that was oh, like yeah. the one thing where I'm like I, I didn't love him as a prospect but I'm like that floater is crazy like <laughs> uh but with, with Howard specifically like you see all the time on the shot like he's just like like he's like falling over and he's like, I could still get this off, you know, or, or whatever. <laughs> like, I just think there's maybe something like untapped there with someone who's just that good at orienting themselves consistently towards the basket and in like weird situations. I just buy like self-organization as a skill that scales up, um, which is like part of my issue with someone like a Brandon Miller, who I'm lower on is like, mm-hmm. I think the self-organization is really bad with Miller. I think he's, he's pretty rough at like getting in, you know, handling tight spaces and, and uh, dealing with different inputs to where Howard's just like, he always looks comfortable, almost to a negative extent where he's too comfortable, but he's just like, he's super smooth. Creates like a, a ton of space. For him. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, he's, he's a weird player to get a handle on. And a lot of people who I really like and trust are like way out on him because he's like, he's too aloof. He's too, he just kind of plays in an annoying style that a lot of evaluators don't like. But for me, I'm like, I'm going to buy, there's maybe some creation upside there. The jumper, I think, could be potentially elite. And the self-organization just gives me some belief that maybe he can – maybe there's some untapped stuff here that we haven't seen yet. So 
I, I, Dick is definitely the guy of that group I'm highest on. Lewis is the guy I'm completely out on. And then Howard's like, a, if he's there and you think you can reel him in a little bit, I, I, I think there's some, some value there. Dick is the one who's interesting to me because I see him mocked at the end of the top 10 sometimes, like seven, eight, nine. And just looking back on the last five drafts, no player like him has been taken in the top 10. So there's a real chance if the Knicks keep their pick at 11, 12, 13, that they can take him and he can fill that Obi role, right? Like, which is weird because we think of Obi as like a power forward, but his role is not really a power forward role. His role is mostly revolving around skills, floor spacing, and you could you could definitely count on Grady to do that. So, uh, and then separate from his his skills, just like hearing Grady Dick talk and just looking at his Instagram account, him in New York City would be the greatest fucking thing of all time. Just because he would just be like off the chain. He's just like a wild dude in like a wholesome kind of off the chain way, and. I just think it it would be very endearing and hilarious to New Yorkers to have fucking Kansas white boy Grady Dick just like trying to take swaggy photos out in these streets or whatever, all that type of shit. So I could get behind that 100%. Um, Bryce, thank you again for joining. This was super insightful. I'm already pondering like what 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 do I got to rearrange on my board now now that I've talked to Bryce. <laughs> Uh, that happens every pod, but especially when I have you out here. So uh, thanks for giving me more work that I will enjoy. Um, you want to remind people where they can find you. And if you want to plug anything that you got going on that you think insane mixed Twitter should know about, feel free to plug that. Yeah. I, uh, I, I just want to say, uh, you know, I'm always happy to come on. I, I, I love y'all. And uh, this has been a, this has been a fun experience. My, I'll never forget, um, like, my first big interaction <laughs> with Nick's Twitter oh was when um, <laughs> I called y'all getting – I think I had you guys losing in five to the to the Hawks that first year, you guys. And, like, Nick's Twitter was like, there's no way. You're way underrating Julius Randle. And, like, my mentions were, were insane for, like, four days because I put out playoff predictions. And, uh, you know, we all know how that went. Well, that begs the important follow-up question before you give your plugs. What 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 is your take on a Knicks Cavs series? <laughs> I'm not going to bet against Evan Mobley in a playoff series, man. I'm sorry. Like I, that that Cavs team, I think is really good, and I I just I hate to say this because I I really do like I, I love I love you, Prez, and I, I you know Stacey Patton's my guy, Chris Persiainen, all y'all like I'm big fans, but like I just don't think this Knicks team is like all that real in a lot of ways. Like, I, I think you're very reliant on like, like Julius Randall, who's very consistent being consistent for long stretches. And then, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I think in a playoff setting, like you guys are going to have real trouble with like that guard duo and, uh, everything you guys want to do getting downhill is just going to be negated by the fact that two of the best room protectors in the NBA play on one team and you got to deal with both of them at the same time. So I'm fairly comfortable with the Cavs in that one, but I, I will, there will be a part of me that I just want to see quickly go off just in one game. Like just give me a quickly 40 piece in the playoffs and I'll be happy. He's going to get, he's going to get at least one like game. That is the quickly game. Like it's, it's just, inevitable. we might, I don't know if we'll, I don't know what the fuck will happen. Like the, like you said, the Cavs are really fucking good. In some ways, the Knicks are just playing with house money, so I'm like okay with that. But if we could get a quickly playoff game, 
I could I, that, and, and we end up taking the L in the series. Like I could live with that. That'd be that's, yeah. That's that'd be that's, something. That'd be special. <laughs> that's the most important part. Is get the get the quick playoff game. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, you could you guys. All my stuff is easiest to find just on my Twitter, Bryce Hendrick fourteen. Uh, I'll don't need to spell it out. President at the beginning. Um, but yeah, I do. I do a lot of writing. If you're interested in like schematic stuff, like you know what college teams are running, stuff like that. Like that's what my writing is mostly about. Uh, and then my podcast upside swings. That's where most of my draft work is. Um, so yeah, follow that stuff there. And Prez, again, I, I can't thank you enough for having me on, man. All right, you heard the man. Give him a follow. Uh, put some respect on the Pacific Northwest when uh, when you're looking at these draft prospects. And uh, aside from that, you can expect listeners some some draft content. We're gonna probably turn up the frequency on that uh, as we enter the final four and draft season really ramps up in earnest. We got a lot of good stuff lined up, so stay tuned for that. And we will catch y'all next time. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wallen. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini yeah, it's fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.